just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening, guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dosmackay. Next Level Guy is the go-to's men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life today to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Andrew Silito. Andrew is a business psychologist, performance coach public speaker and author from Kent, England. Blending over 20 years experience as an elite international sportsman and coach, along with three published books and acclaimed TED Talk, Andrew's innovative and straight-talking views on leadership, teamwork and strategy has resulted in his advice and guidance being sought after by key figures at several FTSE 100 companies. He's developed a new method to enable elite athletes and business leaders to fulfil their potential. This was a seed that eventually blossomed into his world-renowned four keys approach. In this interview, we discuss his highly successful coaching methods, the four keys approach, emotional pain and its repercussions, avoiding exhaustion, building proper working patterns and creating a proper work-life balance. And in this interview, there is something for everybody. There's great advice for those who work for somebody or for themselves or for those who are looking to make the change between the two. Please don't ignore this one just because He's talking about entrepreneurship and uh, working with leaders. There really is something for everybody here, and it will help you on your chosen career path. Enjoy. So if we met in a bar and we had, you know, I was asking who you were and what you did, you know, you've got an amazing story there from coaching to, you know, entrepreneurship to writing books from, you know, not many people go from hockey to uh, having awesome books out. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, your upbringing? You know, how, how did you become you? Okay. Uh, so I started out life in a, in a bakery, a family of bakers. Dad was a baker, granddad was a baker, and I was uh, my two brothers, two sisters, all, all grew up working in the bakery. And I was destined to be a baker. That was my life all kind of mapped out. And... Uh, my my father though had different intentions. He he thought that maybe the business was uh, going to struggle. You know, with supermarkets opening up. This was the mid '80s, and he moved into construction <clears throat> and made some some good money in construction. Unfortunately, as quickly as he made it, he lost a lot. And uh, and when I was 16, <clears throat> unfortunately, I, my father passed away. He was 48, uh, so quite you know he was young, and uh, that kind of left a bit a bit of a mark. Uh, obviously on, on my life um, but it also made me think about you know how I'm going to live my life and to focus on what I what I loved doing so in a way it was a terrible traumatic time but a bit of a blessing in a way as well because it put me on a, a bit of a discord you know it kind of just sent me on a different direction and I'd, I'd grown up playing street hockey uh, it was the 80s roller discos were the thing and off the back of the roller discos uh, played street hockey that was just the way it was there wasn't any there weren't any ice rinks uh, near me um, so street hockey was the ne- next best thing but even even street hockey is a bit of a unique sport I think for a kid in sort of southeast of England um, but just followed that pattern and sort of shaped a career out of it in some form or another and, and ended up moving to Canada when I was uh, 20 and, and then made my way down to California played roller hockey down there and it was all <clears throat> the sport was growing quite a bit in the 90s and um, late 90s early 2000s and um just caught a bit of a wave and and then it's kind of just it just went from there just sort of blossomed and i had to have a career as well so i was you know you know making money doing hockey schools and sort of bringing those two worlds together and uh and then by sort of 2004 i i decided that maybe i need to get a, a proper job and my friends will say i sold out because I, I joined yellow pages and uh um kind of moved into that world but um but it was all it was all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was quite an amazing kind of like as I kind of got into your story and I started reading, and I was, I was really sorry to hear you know the story about your father, but you know you've ter- you've you've used like that pain to, and you've really kind of built something from it, and it's really inspiring the way that you've gone from there. But 
it was when you started talking about like roller hockey and you know things like that and your TED talk and you know it's especially like from I'm from the UK as well it's not something that we're we're very accustomed to doing how did you get into sort of roller hockey you know what was the attraction was it something you you enjoyed as a kid always or yeah it, well I mean hockey was in the family because my sister played field hockey um, so I spent most of my childhood following her around and um, and uh, watching her as a, as a as a kid, she you know, played county level. So hockey was kind of so there were sticks around the house. But I remember very clearly the day that I uh, had a hockey stick in my hand and I was on at skates at the same time. And at that point, I I just believed I'd invented the sport. You know, I no, I didn't know. And I remember saying to my neighbour, we should we should play this more often. And he just didn't he just didn't seem to get. It. I mean, we were, we were nine, eight, nine at this point. Um, but it felt like the most natural thing in my life. You know, I just I remember it very clearly where I was. Even the the time of day, uh, it was sort of late evening. It was dusk was coming in, and I just remember having this stick in my hand and being on on a pair of roller skates, thinking, "This is this is this is it." And it it, it just like the lightning went through my body, and then it just turned out that it, a form of the sport existed. You know, there was street hockey existed. There were teams in my town. There were, you know, I turned up to the roller disco, and there were uh, the marshals were wearing their their hockey jerseys and. Um, and it just it just caught me. I mean, I played other sports, you know, rugby, football. Um, but the moment I started uh, the, the hockey, it was uh, and I just it went from being a craze and a trend where the local you know kids just played to me just really pursuing. And I was very lucky that there was a group of us that that played. I'm from Tunbridge Wells. We had a team called the Tunbridge Wells Cruisers, and we ended up uh, traveling all over Europe playing. Uh, so Switzerland, Denmark. Uh, uh, Germany, Holland, I and mean, we just had an incredible time, you know, as teenagers in early twenties, just sort of travelling around in the back of a transit van, um, you know, you just making a bit of money, spending it on a weekend away, and that that was our that was our life. But interestingly, what what happened was that we we were just a group of local lads, um, but two two of us, my friend uh, Stefan, we got asked to play for a team called the uh, London All Stars. We got this all expenses paid trip to Florida. And this was about 93, 94. And, you know, it's just like a dream come true. You know, I mean, everything was paid for. I mean, not, not just the hockey and the travel, but I mean. Nice. I can't, I can't complain on that. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, I mean, it was a different time. Uh, the coach was, you know, from North London. He was, uh, he, he was making his money through raves and I don't know what else. I mean, it was just a different time. Right. And uh, uh, he just took us away. He was, a, uh, he played hockey uh, back in the day and, um, just wanted to, to, to coach us and take us away. Anyway, so we when we got there, uh, we realised that, um, I mean, those days we were still wearing the quad skates, you know, two wheels at the front, two wheels at the back. And when we got to Florida, all, all the players were on inline skates, rollerblades. And there were, we noticed a lot more ice hockey players uh, kind of style. Um, and they were just so fast. Uh, and my, my friend and I, we came back to the UK, we said, look, we've got to get on these rollerblades. You know, this is the future. And we were awful. Like we were terrible. I talk about this in business, you know, about change and when you implement new systems or new processes, new ways of doing things. Um, typically, performance drops off, and it's that that resilience and that perseverance to keep going. And for about a year, we we persevered with these skates, and the, the sport made fun of us, said it would never catch on. Um, and uh, and then we, we ended up winning one of the biggest tournaments in the sport, and uh, we beat Düsseldorf, who was you know a big city for us, and them in the final we won again the following year because everyone else has switched to rollerblades and we're going through that change curve so so if anything Tumbridge Wells is famous for uh, infamous for it was uh, that we revolutionized the sport <laughs> you know it's something like you can grow up in the highlands like where I'm originally from and yeah. you know when you start invest investigating like some of these American guys and other like you know like major name people and you think oh but I never knew that about them never knew that about them like when they're writing their books and that and I never even knew about the roller hockey side of my own yeah. country. You know, it's quite, yeah, it's quite yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did that kind of change you when you were that age? You know, I mean, did you have kind of, I remember you saying in your TED talk, you know, what what, what happens on tour stays on tour. So I'll, I'll avoid certain questions about ladies and things like that. But um, how did that kind of experience of seeing new cultures, travel, building a bond with teammates, you know, and competing against people in different countries 
do you think it kind of changed your outlook on things at all? Did it help you shape the the man that you became and the kind of teachings that you give to people now? Oh, I think massively. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. You know, I started traveling to Europe when I was probably about, I think my first trip I was about 14, 15, and I was the youngest player. So most of the players were about six six years older than me. So I was kind of caught up in, in that. And um, uh, I'm hugely grateful for that. I mean, we all are. We still meet once a year, uh, the team, get together and we talk. The same stories come out. Um, but it's it's those those trips, the, the, the you know driving up the wrong way on the freeway in Germany, and you know, and all those kind of things that 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 happen. That um, you just and just meeting and making friends and crossing cultural barriers and uh, just understanding that, that that people do operate in a different way and have their own way of doing things, and being accepting of that um, and, and appreciating that that there are different cultures. So. I think when I did move into a corporate environment, I felt a level of maturity, I think, and empathy, maybe, you know, a natural kind of level of empathy that um, people are, are wired differently and have different approaches and ways of doing things. That, that, that became very apparent to me at quite a young age. Because it's not often, like, you know, we as men, I, tr- I try to not sound a complete knob when I say things like that, but, you know, it's not it's not often we get to experience other cultures, you know, and it's always uh, amazing that you can s- guess how somebody's going to be by knowing where they've come from, like the kind of area they grew up, the kind of if their parents were religious, if they're, what kind of school they went to, because that's our life, yeah. but you got an amazing experience and you got to see experience culture where before we even get a chance to where most guys don't get out till they have their you know their lads holiday after school and all that and they've already shaped their kind of biasism and their their views on certain cultures and life you know um so is that do you think you were a bit more receptive because of the unfortunate event with your father with, with your kind of times traveling is that where the kind of I want to say fight against guys being like, you know, burning the candle at both ends and, you know, the hassle till you die kind of thing. Is that where it comes from, do you think? Yeah. You know, are you, have you seen the other side of that kind of philosophy? Yeah, I think, uh, I think like, you know, regardless of what happens and, and, and losing my father at 16 was, was, there's no doubt. And in fact, I'm realizing it more so now at 25 years later, that that was a traumatic event and accepting that it was a traumatic event and that I probably experienced, you know, I have experienced some, some level of stress off the back of that, which has played out in other areas of my life, you know, whether it's my relationships uh, and so on. Um, and a very unconscious. Do you think you've not? Did you think you not kind of dealt with it at the time? You know, because I've it's nothing on the scale. But I mean, I've had a, a really sort of traumatic breakup at the time when I was younger, and even now I kind of see stuff that happens in my personality where I think, oh God, you know, I can see reactions from myself from what you know, like I avoid certain confrontations because that's what I avoided in the relationship. You know, do you think you still have kind of? hang-ups from it or yeah i i think you know i think we all have patterns that play out that have kind of embedded themselves uh through through different experiences and there's definitely an opportunity for us all to, to undo some of those you know or, or break some of those unwanted patterns definitely um but, you know there's also a level of personality that's that's hardwired in us you know from a young age that would have would have existed before that that event so so it's, it's quite hard to to kind of really analyze what is a consequence of that and what what isn't um so so i i try not to think about it too much but i, I know there's specific things that that played out in my or had played out in my relationships um that were i'd considered dysfunctional and and when you start sort of putting the the pieces of the puzzle together you start to go oh, okay now it's starting to make a bit of sense as to why maybe I behave like that. And that wasn't really useful for me. And I think we all, I mean, whether it's therapy or coaching or whatever, you know, we've or just just sitting still and, and just thinking these things through can be, you know, beneficial to all of it. It just starts to make a bit of sense. Yeah, because when I, when, um, I don't think how old I was, I had three grandparents die of cancer in this, like in the same kind of year span. Like it wasn't like in a f- proper year, it was like a, a crossover of a year. Uh, and, I think that was my first real kind of 
sense a proper loss. And a lot of guys were never really taught those kind of skills. You know, we're taught how to be quiet in school, how to go and play part of a team sport, but we're not kind of taught how to deal with that kind of thing, you know, how to deal with loss, how to understand it. And we kind of bottle it up a lot of times. And some of us, um, you know, we just go and try to burn off the feelings, you know, through drink and drugs. Some people do it by working hard businesses and stuff. And, you know, your stuff was looking, the first stuff I found in ages, so it's looking at the negative side of that. You know, we've got a culture now of, oh, let's hustle till we make it. Let's, you know, build your passion at the side and all that. And is this what you've sort of seen a lot now is guys really just destroying themselves from it? You know, have you become, has it become a sort of mission not to let it happen to other people? Oh, definitely my mission. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately I'm, you know, I'm, people come to me, when, when it's broken and I wish I'd come to me sooner, you know, and see it as a, a prevention rather than cure. But I, I'll give you an example. Recently I had a engaged with a client and uh, to coach their, and their MD. And I have a questionnaire and he filled out the questionnaire and, it, and he was surprised that, that my questions weren't just about business and profits and although it covers it, but it's also about the relationships, you know, what's going on with that, you know, is it an enabler? What about their health? Uh, and and he went a bit quiet, you know. He, was, he said he found it useful, but he he actually went a bit quiet in in sort of arranging the dates and, and booking our first session in. Uh, but I got an email from him last week, and he just said, "Look, uh, I'm sorry for not being in touch, um, but I think now's a good time for me to for us to get together. My 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 relationship has broken down, and I'm kind of just a bit lost with it, and it's now it's affecting my work. And you kind of think, well." we probably should have had this conversation six months ago, you know, uh, and, and unfortunately we, I think going back to your point, we, we do leave it a bit late. Um, I'd like to think that we, we, we get an accountant on board because we, we don't want to get into debt and have problems. Um, although I still speak to business owners who, who still ask me what, what a VAT return is. And you think, well, probably left that a bit late. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so that still happens, but, but I, you know, if we look at it in a proactive way, you know, you've got, you've got your financial advisor, you've got, um, maybe a business, you know, business coach there as well, and, and and helping you just kind of plan ahead and avoid and navigate some of these things because you know being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, leading an organisation is incredibly hard. There's a lot of pressure, um, but I do believe there is a way to to let go of some of these things. And and then people take, I find that they take it on a lot, and and probably take on more than they re- than necessary actually, and and they lose that balance, and then it then it then they. They go all in on the business and they let their health and their relationships and their mindset suffer. And my clients that I work with, where they're finding the most benefit is by going all in on their their health, their relationships and their mindset. And then the business just takes care of itself. Is there like a kind of, um, when you're sort of the people that you're dealing with on a regular basis, do you seek out the kind of common problems that comes from that kind of lifestyle? You know, is it do they realize it themselves and they come to you or is it that they know something's wrong and you've kind of, you can sort of pinpoint the red flags that are causing these kind of things, you know, is it obvious that get to these guys or are they that focused on their sort of business and stuff that they don't realize where they're going? I'm hesitant to say wrong, but do you know what I mean? I do. I, I totally know where you come from. I mean, I, you know, I, I can see it coming. They might not be experiencing it that way. Um, there's a bit of, denial i think uh, that this is happening or it won't happen to me um but statistically it's very likely um but i but at the same time you know whilst i there are people that are are, are pushing themselves they're hustling and they're showing the pictures of a new car and they've leveraged themselves and you know and they're trying to keep up with the joneses and living that instagram lifestyle and i see it uh, a lot of these people have started their business in 2010 2012 they didn't experience the recession they're young guys and and haven't planned um, for a, a downturn because, and, you know, the inevitable downturn. Uh, so they, so when it does happen, they've got the lease, the mortgage, you know, the, the, the expensive outgoings. Um, so I see that happening and they're just on that emotional roller coaster. But I, but I'm also seeing that there is a shift in people saying, you know what, there is a, there, there has to be a different way. You know, I don't want to get caught up in that, that lifestyle. I, I do want to find 
purpose in what I do and live a more and create a more purpose-led business or if I'm working in a business in an organization to have a more purpose-led career so there's definitely a an enthusiasm I, I sent an email out on LinkedIn to 900 people um, we had about 25% response which is pretty good on on LinkedIn my first degree connection uh, we just asked the question you know as an entrepreneur what does it take to win and, and manage your well-being and those words were you know win and and well-being together uh, and it was just interesting the response because we had this quite quite black and white you know the, and it was a specific category of people that would say well you've got to you've got to just get on you you, you can't you can't win in in business unless you work the hours it's just a reality something something's got to give and there was this other group that were just saying you know that you know well-being is my my priority my health the better i look after myself the better i am in business and every now and then i have to go a bit harder be a bit more aggressive etc but i've you know the balance and it's not about work-life balance it's not about saying well, well i finish at five every day it's actually some some weeks i need to work till nine o'clock but i'm planning ahead to book that time in either for myself to relax and take care of myself or i'm planning that weekend in so i'm give my my partner some time away from the kids so whatever it is that they're planning ahead and that's that's the key with, with work-life balance it's not finishing early or starting late or you know it, it's it's an overall more far more organic view and i think that's that's a, a an attractive shift in business thing that we're seeing and it, for me the way i describe it is it's kind of like a return to an agricultural mindset we've had a bit of a blip in the last two to three hundred years with trying to bring so much order to chaos when actually chaos is is always going to exist you know particularly in agriculture and i think what uh digital has done is it, it's it's brought that back that sort of fluidity that um the industrial revolution tried to get away from that everything's got to be in order you know we've got to everything's got to have some sort of level of certainty um and i think that people are starting to resist that now starting to realize actually you don't have to work that way we don't have to work nine to five and and be as if you know productive as possible during those times and then just burn ourselves out and do you think that comes from like our, the way our parents are brought us up you know that because that's the way they did it that's the way we should but you know with sort of technology the way it's coming now there's like um what do you call it? lifestyle independent businesses and there's so many ways to do things that you could have a sort of side hustle i hate that term but you know like you have a side passion while you're working you know it's there's so many different ways of doing things but we have got a you know one of these kind of competitive cultures where it's like you should be spending all your time. You should be getting more money. Oh, they've got a new car. You need to get a new car. Oh, you know, you need to showcase your life more on Instagram compared to the next one. And, you know, even though you're comparing yeah. your entire life to their well-chosen highlights on Instagram and it's all fake, but, you know, like we push each other and yeah. compare against each other. You know, how, how do you find to stop that like how can we stop comparing ourselves how can we just let the ego go and just be happy with what we're doing and let the the work and you know the side and the relationships and all that like how can we just be happy with what we're doing yeah i mean i i think you answered it it's and but it's not as easy as it as it sounds which is letting go and and recognizing that i i don't have to have a big house to have status. I don't have to be seen driving a certain car or wearing a certain watch to have status in society. Um, I can have status in a much more positive way through influencing others, through creating an environment for other people to thrive, through um, serving uh, your community, whether that's your customers locally, globally, but uh, and, and just letting, and literally just, just letting go. And that's very hard in a society where we are marketed at and and we have a, we also have a you know that that sort of darwinian nature of you know of, of trying to get above get a, and get, and grow and, and develop and get it get a get ahead so there's an element of that in our dna you know how we show up in the tribe um so there's always going to be a group of people that want to get status uh, but i but i honestly think there's there are better ways to 
to get status than getting just putting your elbows up and and sort of wrestling your way to the top. Um, I just prefer just to do the work, and if it gets you there, it gets you there. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because that's that's when you start hearing the find your passion and just go for it. You know, you know, you know, don't just find your passion. Like yeah, you know, and yeah, you'll say like, but how do I find it? How do I know it's the right passion? How do I know it's not what society's tell me to do? And people will say, we don't find your passion because that's the yeah, the generic yeah. advice that goes around, and we're not always kind of aware of what we're meant to do with that. Would you say that's bad advice to give somebody or to use as your kind of base inspiration? I think it's a stepping stone passion. I think it's um. You know, I talk about this in my book, Passion Versus Purpose, and I use hockey as an example that that uh, there were times in my hockey career where, you know, I, I certainly followed my passion, but that passion made me a little bit selfish as well. So so I was kind of on a on a bit of a mission to to try and be the best player for Great Britain to do really well to, you know, for, for the team to win. But it was serving my passion and my own agenda when when really the. I was a much better player when I played with purpose. And what I mean by that is, is how do I make the players around me better? Uh, how do I give them more time on the puck? How do I move the puck quicker and, and, and let go rather than holding on to it so that I look good on the puck? And if you take that analogy and put it into business, you know, how do I serve the people around me so that they can move forward and be brilliant? And, and whilst the, the short-term effect of that is that people might even get ahead and, uh, and, and it feels like we're getting left behind, but I truly believe that, that eventually you, you have your day. Uh, equally, you have your day if, you, if you're selfish. So um, so it's just that long-term picture uh, that, that I think purpose serves. So I think, yes, if you love playing the guitar and you're passionate about it, then, then, then follow that passion. But if you're just playing for yourself, um, you're probably not going to attract an audience, right? So you, know, you play for the audience. You, you serve... The people around you. You, you if you're in a band you serve the band you be your best for the band you know and, and help others sound even better and, and I think if you whatever your passion is um it's it's how do I how do I serve others with that purpose with my with my passion so if you've got a vision for example of achieving x y and z um how does that vision benefit others and I think when we find that balance then it becomes bigger than ourselves and when it becomes bigger than ourselves we, we enter that kind of law of attraction and then st- things start to come back. So, so that might sound a bit fluffy, but, but that's, uh, that, that, that for me is what, how it works. Would you say that's the, like the main problem is that people start a business and they're so focused on this is what it's going to do. This is how it's going to change the world. This is how we're going to, you know, this is how the products we're going to offer. This is our pricing schedule, but they've forgotten to, you know, how is this going to actually improve people's lives? How is it going to, like, well, you know, why would somebody buy this? Why would, why should we care about this? You know, is that the issue, the main issues you find with these kind of businesses that you deal with? Yeah, I think it's particularly startups. You know, they they have a, a brilliant idea, a brilliant product. The product's brilliant, but no one wants it because it doesn't serve anybody. You know, and uh, if nobody wants it, no one's going to buy it. And then, doesn't matter how good the product is. Uh, and sometimes we get a bit too excited and become emotionally engaged with it and, and so on. So I, I think there's, it's always that reverse engineering, you know, looking, you know, that's what entrepreneurs do is good entrepreneurs. They, they, they see a pain point and they, they, they aim to fix it. It's not their own. It might be their own pain point. It might be something they're experiencing themselves, but they recognize that it's not just them. There's lots of people. And once you've recognized that and you can build a, a product that serves that, that pain point and makes other people's lives better, then you're probably going to sell it. Um, and I mean, that's just, you know, um, I mean, there's arguments for and against that. I mean, it, you know, take Henry Ford making cars when everyone just wanted horses. Um, so there's all different ways of looking at it. But, but at the end of the day, it, it served people. It got people from A to B faster. So, so I think that it's just that reverse engineering, working backwards from what people actually want or need. No, I love that kind of approach, you know, and it's, that's why I think your stuff is so helpful because you cover stuff that we don't really get told. You know, it's just kind of go get your hustle. Yeah, no, work twenty four hours a day on it. You know, when you're not working at your job, you should be doing this. No, no breaks. You should just get into it. You know, and then you say, well, how do I know it's the right thing for me? 
no, no, find your hustle. Well, how do I know I'm doing it right? No, no, spend all your free time at it. You know, we get the kind of generic terms over and over again, but nobody really gets told how to know it's the right thing for you, how to know, like how to balance it, how to actually enjoy it and stuff like that. You know, something that you said, I'm trying to think where I read it, but um, it really resonated with me was when you mentioned, and I think it was your website actually, that you had like a subconscious value of taking the easy way out. And, you know, you would always go the kind of take the easy side. How can we identify, you know, like values that are holding us back? Because that's something I did all the time. I would always kind of self-sabotage when I got close to being successful or I would take go the easy road if I wasn't being pushed by somebody else. You know, how can we make yeah. sure that the values that we are taking on when we find our passion and purpose are actually beneficial and going to be the best for us rather than destroying us in a way? Yeah, it's that, like, again, that, that sort of self-sabotage, isn't it? But, you know, again, it's, Where's it coming from? And it for me that 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 taking the easy route was because I was given the easy route as a child, um, you know. And I talk about this, and my my, my mother was great. Is it allowed me to be a free thinker? You know, was very supportive of any passion I had, anything I was passionate about. She she fully supported it. So I was very lucky in that respect. But equally, if I wasn't passionate about something, she would go, okay, you know. So school was one of those things. So, so it kind of encouraged one of those easy way outs for me. If I didn't like something, I kind of just went, oh, it's not really for me. Um, and I think there is a time and a place to, to demonstrate that, that work ethic, to, to challenge ourselves, to be uncomfortable, to push, push ourselves through, to, to, to see something through to the end. I don't, I don't think that's hustling and, you know, just going 23 hours a day. It's just, it's just sometimes there is, a time, there is a time and a place to see something through to the end. Mm-hmm. And I that taught me a, a bit of a bad habit that I that I if I loved something I would see it through to the end. If I didn't, then I'd probably just sort of switch off. Um, uh, and I think it, you know, particularly in our teens, twenties, we have to learn to push ourselves a bit harder. And I, that was something I had to teach myself to say, actually, I'm this is out of my comfort zone. I don't really like it, but I'm I'm going to have to see this through. Uh, and and so I I call that value do the work. You know, no excuses. Um, get it done it's aligned to my vision it's going to help me achieve what I want for me and my family Um, so I'm going to have to uh, dig a bit deeper here and I think there's a difference between hustle and uh, you know in sports that's where hustles come from you know you hustle hard in sports but you also know when to hustle you know you're not you don't just go out there and hustle for 90 minutes of the football match or you you know the ice hockey game or the you know there's a there's a time and a place you pick your moments to be that little bit more aggressive and, and life's the same you know you, you you look for the opportunities you kind of sniff it out and and you need that that time of of, of reflection and, and and not hustling to 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 take that breath to you know to reflect and then those those opportunities to say oh right now i need to be a bit more aggressive here and i'm going to put some effort in for the next 90 days or two weeks or uh, or this particular area i'm going to really play to my strengths and and, and hustle here um that that resonates with me versus if i'm not hustling i'm not achieving uh, and that's when the burnout comes out and that's when the missed opportunities happen um we, we need that downtime to just to make sure that we're, we're going in the right direction so what's like a i don't know if it's probably the right term for it, but like what are kind of red flags you know like say if you're a businessman just now who wants to work with you and thinking you know i never really completed this but yeah this i can see myself in what you're saying how can we start noticing like what should we look out for as that's the start you know those are the warning signs that something needs to change now or you're going to have like catastrophes later on you know, do you have a kind of general list of things that you say to people, this is the point that you need to stop and change your path because you're going to have a problem later? Or is it a case that you kind of have to, you know, go through it to learn from it, to not let it happen again? Yeah, there is a bit of that, unfortunately. Um, you know, I experienced it myself. So, you know, I, I, I thought I'd learned the lesson from my father, but it was, I was following a similar pattern, uh, working hard, thinking I was having it all in, in, in place. Um, 
but on reflection, I was just very passionate about what I was doing and, and, and quite frankly, selfish, um, but un- unknowingly. Um, I thought I was you know, being a good dad. I thought I was being a good husband. I thought I was doing all the right things. Um, so so there is an element of, of you know, that, that's where perhaps where a coach can help and, and just sort of paint that picture of that this, this could be on the horizon. If we don't balance the, what I call the four keys, you know, that the business body relationships mindset and, and start thinking about this on a day to, on a daily basis. Um, rather than, oh, I've, I've seemed to have put on a bit of weight over the last two years, um, or uh, my, my, my wife seems to have kind of, we seem to be having a different conversation these days, or, or whatever it is, or I'm just feeling like I don't have the headspace anymore. I mean, they're the sort of things I, I would be listening out for in the coaching conversations, but really it's just about action. You know, it's about, okay, what action do you need to take? You know, what do you need to let go of? What, where's, what needs to, where, where, where's the ROI on letting go of, some of these things um and that's what we would explore well now would seem a perfect time to take a quick break and tell you about my affiliate products i have set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies there are so many special offers listener exclusive deals and discount codes available simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates there really is something here for everybody it depends what you're looking for there's the comfiest jeans in the world, which are like tracky bottoms. Those are from the amazing people um, at Barbell Apparel. There's special deals on Amazon. There's Blinkist special offers and discount codes. There's a Gains box, geeky sex toys. There's Greys. There's a Hustler Hollywood. There's Mankind underwear. There's MeUndies, which is all amazing stuff. There's Mr. Skin, My Protein. There's On It. There's Real Social Dynamics. There's a Fantasy box. There's a Protein Works. There's Under Armour. I keep adding to it almost weekly. I'm setting up amazing deals and special offers with some great companies. Simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. All the monies that I receive in commissions from these companies is then used to make the site better and better. So please use and abuse the codes. I don't get any affiliate data back in terms of what you buy, what you spend or anything about you. I get a small commission from the company as a thank you for sending you to them to buy from. So again, it's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. Enjoy. And now let's get back to the interview. So what was the inspiration for the, the you know your books? Because it's rare for people that want to then go and share what they found to be really successful. You know, these people kind of hold on to their secrets and don't want anybody else to know that, they're like why they've become such a successful coach you know what was your inspiration for the books because every time i looked up a review of you it was like five star people saying that you had changed their lives and all that so you know why not just keep it to yourself and be the the guru who changes businesses why did you want to write a book and kind of share this with people you know is this like your mission now in life do you think yeah i think so i think um i think in this industry as a coach it, it chooses you. It's, it becomes a purpose-led, it becomes a mission, and uh, it, it becomes an, an overriding, um, I think, that balance of passion and purpose, loving what you do. So writing the books really was, is, is a way just to, is, is to, help, was to help others um, avoid some of these challenges. So even though that I uh, experienced that with my father, I, I was still um, experiencing it myself, which was a huge surprise to me. So, so it's just my way of, of Sounds a bit cliche, but giving back and um, and that's something I'm very passionate about. So um, one of the things I wanted to really sort of touch on was like your you had mentioned on your site. I think it was um, now where are we? It's your belief that doing is improving. You know, can you expand a bit on that? And you know, like what people listening, how can they start doing and making sure they're not just working for the sake of working, but they're actually doing to improve? Yeah. So I, I think that's so that's that's basically uh, from the, the the training that I do. So any training that we do, you know, leadership development, coaching, is it, we do the work. Doing is improving. Um, so we can re- we can read all the books we want. We can get take on all the theory. That's great, uh, but it doesn't necessarily improve us. Um, so it's it's just about uh, getting out there and, and and playing with these tools and techniques. You know, if you read a book on something and there is a it says do something, then go and do it. 
um, because that's where the improving is. It, it's not, we don't improve by just keep reading it over and over and over again. We get out there, we have a go, some of it works, some of it doesn't. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't see a, a professional football team, soccer team on the pitch, in, on, tra- in a, on the training ground, um, lear- you know, learning how to play the game. Um, or the coach talking them through the theory of the game. They 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 practice and they practice and they practice. So so it's giving you a chance to to practice, develop yourselves. But for the most part, the, the real learning experience is in the action. Uh, so if if you're a speak, if you want to be a speaker, and yes, you should practice your speaking. But the best way to be a great speaker is to get out and speak. You know, just throw yourself out there. So that's what I mean by doing is learning. Is, is doing no, per- perfectly said. I mean, it's that's what I really liked about your stuff was you're very straight to the point. You know, you're very kind of you don't fluff around. You don't go head in the clouds philosophy kind of stuff. You just give people real manageable, you know, action concrete steps that they can take. And I think that's why you're, you've been so successful. And I mean, you were a coach of Team GB and things like that. It's because of the way that you build strong dynamic like teams that succeed but you know when you've looked into leadership and things like that where do you think guys go wrong with leadership you know like what's the best way like leadership approach that you found because i think you said when you're working with team gb that you know you could go in and tell them this is this this is the philosophy this is what we're going to do but unless you built it with a team, it wouldn't stick to the guys. You know, how can we build a sort of firm foundation with them and how can we build a strong dynamic team for somebody that's maybe starting a new business? Yeah, so I, I, I think there are five five essential components, principles, rules. We call them locker room rules, you know, to, to win the locker room, to get your team heading in the right direction and aligned. And... The first one that we talk about in the leadership program is, and it's been so obvious, uh, but it's have a game plan. What is the objective? What are we trying to achieve? And are we all seeing that game plan through the same lens? That's that's the first thing. So the leader is usually, or the business owner particularly, is usually quite a bit further ahead in the in the way they see the vision, the way they see the business going, and and being able to articulate that in a way that that helps people understand and see it in the same same way and so the, the second second part of this second rule if you like is is ask don't tell which is being a facilitator so rather than saying well i've got to tell everyone my vision and i've got to tell them over and over and over again and i've got to tell them what the roadmap is to getting there i've got to tell them the tactics well in sports you can tell our players the tactics over and over and over again it doesn't mean it sticks what you really want them to do is, is say it out loud back to you or better still add value to it Talk me through. We've got the, we've got an opponent coming up. Talk me through how we're going to beat this team. What is your understanding of, of their gaps, their strengths? How do we take advantage of them? And in the same way in business, you know, how do I facilitate that discussion so that I'm getting my my team to contribute to understanding what the market is, what our clients want, who are the competition, how do we beat them, what what is the roadmap? And that's that. Ask don't tell philosophy is 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 very powerful. Um, the third thing we look at is, is as you build your team, you need to start to identify who your captains are, who your assistant captains are, and also your skeptics. You're going to have people in your business that perhaps aren't bought into the game plan, don't quite get it, not sure about the strategic direction. Uh, we, and you get that in the locker room. Um, so you, you need your captain. You need the people that, as you start to scale, start to grow, start to build your business, that when you want to go out and meet clients or maybe you want to take some time off or, or whatever it is, that you've got somebody or a group of people who are maintaining that culture as you go forward. So when you're not around, the culture still exists or the high performance still exists as people hold each other accountable. And the the fourth rule is fail fast, learn quick. You know, creating an environment where people can have a go at things. I'm not suggesting we lower our standards or repeat bad behaviours, but not feeling the fear of, of picking up the phone and speaking to a client or getting out there or doing some sort of work, whatever it is um, that people feel free of any anxiety to, to have a go at this, this, this work and learn. And then the fifth rule, I've kind of mentioned it, but it is hold each other accountable. So the ask, don't tell philosophy is great. And Sir Alex Ferguson was a great example of this. He, 
he's known for the hair dry, this kind of red-faced, angry, angry man who's barking from the sideline, but also equally regarded as a father figure. You know, how does he do that? And and now got on to be a you know Harvard professor uh, off the back of his 25 years of Manchester United. And and what people don't realise about Sir Alex Ferguson is that he was holding people accountable against what they said they would do. So he wasn't telling them you have to do this and this, and then and then hold them accountable. He was asking them, what are their what's what is their commitment? What are they aiming to achieve? What are your goals? What's your intent every time you go on the pitch? What are you trying to achieve within our tactics? And then his job was then to hold people accountable. And that's really where he would get angry. And then, like any coach, and that was my role as head coach, was to to hold people accountable. And if if I if I felt let down that people didn't achieve what they said they were going to do then then I would be disappointed and they would know that. Now, how could somebody take, you know, that kind of foundation parts that's not a business, that's maybe not building a team, but, you know, works for a company but wants to build a strong sort of firm foundation in their own life, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally with their family, their children, etc. How can we use that transferably and build in our own lives? You know, because not everybody listening is going to be interested in building a business, but it's going to love, you know, the way that you look at it and your sort of your message. So how can we use that regardless if we're a business person or not, like to get peak performance? Yeah, I think there are a few things there that, that could be explored. One is, you know, the, the solopreneur, who is sort of building the business around themselves, whether it's around their brand or just, you know, wanting to be um, an independent trader. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that they can bring into that. And, and one of the biggest challenges for, uh, and we can build on the, the Manchester United example, is that you kind of have the glazier's hat on. You kind of think about how do I grow my business? Where are the opportunities? And then you're kind of thinking, right, how do I, how do I get organized and be the best version of myself and, and make sure that I can also be out on the pitch scoring goals and, and winning. Um, and then if you do grow a team, then you've also got head coaching roles. So you've kind of got three levels. But um, I think that's, I think there's, there are things that, that people should be thinking about. And that is, you know, how do I, how do I take care of my health? How do I make sure that I'm doing things daily that, that make sure that I'm ready? You know, one of the things I talk about as a value is always ready. So doing things today that, will have a, a positive impact on on my performance tomorrow um so you now i know people want to enjoy themselves they want to go out have a drink um but if that's affecting their ability to do their work if that's affecting their ability to be present with their family and enjoy the time or whatever it is then i think you have to seriously ask yourself if it's the right thing to do um and I, equally you know finding time i'm not I'm, I'm not suggesting anyone should be doing any sort of type of chronic training or being in the CrossFit box every day or, you know, signing up to triathlons and things like that, but just staying healthy and fit and strong daily, um, putting in time for the relationships and, and, and most important, looking after their mindset, you know, just having, slowing down to speed up. I talk about a lot, just slow it down, slow life down. Don't feel guilty because you're not hustling, you know, the incorporating that, that reflection whether it's an hour just once a week or 10 minutes a day just to stop and think and be still um, is, is where some, some very powerful um, tactics, ideas, solutions will, will come about. And so that slowing down to speed up um, is usually important rather than just being on top speed all the time. So what should somebody sort of be doing during that point? You know, should you be meditating? Should we be journaling? Should it just be a case of taking time away from all technology, from the business and go for a walk? Or, you know, what would you advise to somebody to like to how to slow it down to speed it up? I think do what, what is comfortable for you. So some people will like to get the Headspace app out or Calm app and do some meditation for others, that just sends them off to sleep and they don't find it very useful. Uh, I, I like doing um, postures, so some sort of combining a little bit of strength work where I'm stretching and sort of mobilizing myself and breathing, I find, and then I finish off with maybe just laying laying down for two to three minutes. I find that very useful for me. I think a walk around the block. I think, you know, going to the park. Um, I think just sitting on the couch and, and just having nothing on, no TV, just, just sit there. 
and just think um, it's very hard for some people, particularly entrepreneurs and, 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 and people who are ambitious to be still. And, but it's a, it's a very, I think, a very important part of our, of our life that's, that's slowing down. So I, I think you do, if journaling works for you, journal. Uh, whatever slows you down and makes you think and calm, then just do what works for you. You know, there'll be people just now who are pure panicking, thinking, what, do you mean just take some time away? You mean just stop? Well, uh, no, no, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that, you know. So I'm just... People are often surprised when they say they don't have any time, and I say, well, if you haven't got any time, if, you're, if time management's a problem for you, here's what I want you to do once a week. I need to block an hour out of your, out of your diary to do nothing. Um, and they're pleasantly surprised. So how did becoming a, like, you know, having your own family, um, how did that change you? You know, like, how did it kind of shape your teachings? Has Have they changed at all, or have they made them sort of more... I want to say dynamic, but it's probably not the word I'm looking for. You know, how, how has it kind of changed your outlook on life and the world? Uh, well, I think it, it inevitably has changed my outlook. It's it's got me to focus. My my, I mean, I, I'm 43. My my daughter, first daughter, is 20. Right. So so I was 23 when she was born. So I was young, and so that that kind of <laughs> got me focused and. Maybe you know think differently about the hockey and everything else that was going on. Um, and now I've got a you know two little ones with my wife, and they're they're two and four. And I and I think very very hard work. Yeah, and and you know obviously I love them to bits, and but I think I'm a I'm a better father, you know, than I was for my youngest. And I I know it sounds a, you know, my daughter would probably stick up for me, but um, but she'd also give me a hard time for some of the things. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I have a very good relationship with my daughter. She's, she's traveling. I've, I've been very lucky with my work that I've, I'm in Sydney at the moment. I was fortunate to spend a weekend with her in Melbourne. Um, she's off to the Philippines. She's grown up into a, a wonderful woman. Um, so I'm very proud of her. Uh, but I think we do learn, you know, you, you learn with the, like any experience, you know, to be, to be better. Um, I don't think we're ever, the, certainly ever the finished article because every child is different and requires a different type of parenting and you know it's, uh, it's an ongoing lesson isn't it um well i'm an uncle just now and i love being able to hand them back but yeah. you know like after yeah. they're gonna be like crazy yeah. but that it's the it's the wonder in a child you know it's the way that they look to you for their how how are they to sort of navigate through life and yeah. they want to see from you things and i think that's the the best kind of coach it's somebody that they want to be around because of how they make them feel and like you know how you kind of build on their wonder and inspiration you know is there would you say that the way you were raised has sort of helped you become a better parent or you know have you realized now that the problems your own parents faced when you know like have you understood by becoming a father, how how difficult it was? Has it helped you kind of like deal with your your own upbringing, maybe? Or yeah, but I think there are still some there are still patterns that that manifest themselves unconsciously in us all. Um, so whilst we might look back and say, well, "I didn't really like that about my parenting," you know, I'd like to have been different. And then when we take another step back, we go, "Actually, I'm playing this out in exactly the same way," and that's that's surprising to me, you know? So I, I think it's, it's very hard to, to shake off some of these things, um, the way we interact and, and so on. So, um, but I, but I think for the most part, we, we learn from our parents and, and we try and put, put things right. Um, or, or, or at least in kind of emulate the good stuff and try and not do the, the stuff that perhaps we didn't, <laughs> didn't like, um, a bit, but you know, it's, I think it's just an ongoing learning experience and, and I, and I think leadership is very similar. I think, you know, there, there's never a finished article. And, you know, whilst having children brings some responsibility, and like you say, we, we become responsible for the, how we shape them, the environment we create for them, the way they they thrive and the trajectory of their life is is dependent on the, on the on the parenting. And I think leadership is very similar in business. You know, anyone that's in a leadership role is, you know, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to deal with people, um, actually you're, in the same way you're responsible for the trajectory of their career their life the the 
you know, their goals, all of that, their aspirations, their dreams. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the hardest shifts for any leader is to kind of, is to recognise that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, I can think back now because when I was younger and the way I kind of batted heads with my own dad and because of the way I thought he was just being a bit of a dick and all this kind of stuff, you know. And when I look back now with having like two nephews and a niece and how you've kind of got, how you, you know, how you've got to help, not raise them, but, you know, I've got to be like the the inspirational uncle, the one that they they are glad to see every time rather than go, oh God, here we go. But, you know, it kind of helps me realize now and put a piece how I dealt with my own dad and how he did things the way he did it and stuff like that because of he couldn't be your friend. He couldn't be like, you know, he couldn't just let you do stuff. Uh, the, the why he did things and I think that kind of helps me in my own like kind of professional life as well with the podcasting and being able to build connections because you start to understand it now but it's just annoying yeah. that you can't do it when you're younger you can't understand that yeah. you know it's no you just don't have that same you know that level of of empathy as as, as youngsters you know it's uh, it's hard to see it from their perspective I think they're inherently selfish as teenagers and it takes some growing out of it served us. I mean, do you see like you back then and your children now? Does it is there any kind of like warning signs that you noticed that you quickly think, oh no, we've got to change that now? Or is it just a case of letting them develop and seeing where they're they're going and just trying to just be the best parent you can be? You know, what advice would you give to somebody who's a new dad or expecting their first kid or or you'd become a stepdad for the first time? Yeah, I would just do the best, you know, create an environment, a positive environment so that they can thrive. Uh, don't try and fix them. There's no fixing. So if you if you notice something that uh, you don't like, yes, they need support. They need sometimes some tough love, all of that good stuff. Um, but they're on their journey. And um, it's a wonderful journey. And it, it's, you know, some, in some cases it's, it's not always that positive, uh, but it's their journey. Um, I'm very, I'm a big fan of the work by Byron Katie, and 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 I found that very powerful in that uh, not being judgmental, letting people live, letting people explore and experience life, um, and they tend to flourish more than than trying to think. Oh, hang on a minute, we have a problem. I need to fix that. Bring some control to it, um, which inevitably is going to end up in probably more loss of control so uh, and that, that that's very difficult for parents very difficult um, but that's that's the reality I think so for people listening I mean there how what advice would you give them you know what if somebody was listening to this today and they came back to you in say three months six months whatever what would you want them to do like what would you want somebody to take from this as a kind of challenge to implement into their own life and then come back to you in whatever set of time and just, you know, give you feedback. What would you want people listening to go and do now that would have the biggest impact in their life? You know, is it a habit that they could develop? Is there, would it be just creating that hour a day just to kind of go away from everything and reflect or have, do you have challenges that you do with your clients? Yeah, we have lots of different challenges sort of within the group. I mean, the first challenge is, is to think across the four keys on a day-to-day basis. So what have I done in my business today? What have I done in my body today? What have I done in my relationships? And what have I done in my mindset? Um, so business, did I achieve an action, a result that I, that I aim to achieve? In my body, did I, did I sweat? Did I do something that, that pushed myself a little bit? Not, not the art to failure, but just mean that I'm getting a bit stronger, a bit healthier. Did I do something in my relationship, whether that's within your inner circle of friends, your, your clients or um, your partner, that added value to them, that made them think yeah, that, that, that you're thinking of them? And mindset is, did I slow down today? Did I take some time, 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is, uh, to just to stop and think uh, about, about the four keys, the business, body, relationships and mindset? So I think that's that's a, that's the daily habit, winning daily. 
Um, I, I do think it's important to have a vision uh, and have some sort of idea of, of what we want out of life. But then it's about how do I get action orientated and, and do something in the next 90 days? What can I achieve in 30 days? What can I achieve in 60 days? Um, and have some sort of uh, end goal, that something that we're working towards. And that, and that can help us get to our vision quicker. Uh, so, and I, I always hear arguments for and against that, um, but I'm, I'm a strong believer in having some sort of direction, something that you're working towards, because when we're working towards something, we're, we're growing, and we're we're testing stuff, we're failing at stuff, we're learning from stuff. Um, but it's we only learn if we can build that time in to stop and reflect. And I think maybe that's why people don't want to reflect, because they don't want to reflect on uh, you know what's working well for them and what's working against them. They'd rather just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting that different result which you know we all know einstein said is insanity so uh is that moment into it? it's like nope that's my comfort zone so what's safer here yeah 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 if i just bury my head on the sand hopefully it will come good well it doesn't always you know just just lift it up and have a look around what's going on okay i need to make some tweaks here i need to change i need to improve something because it's kind of strange to think like that all the bad stuff that's happened in our lives has brought us to this point, you know, like the, it's also brought all the good stuff. It's, and it, it's people struggle with kind of accepting that sometimes is that we do sometimes have to go through the negative. We do sometimes have to graft, but there is a lot more to life than just burning ourselves out to both ends, hoping, you know, try to keep the head in the sand. And I think that's really sad is that some people can get to like, 70 80 years old and then realize that they've alienated their children because of like they didn't know how to communicate with them so they kind of just buried themselves in their work and that's why i think your stuff is so vital because you're not counteracting but you're actually giving that message that a lot of people need is yes it's great to work and yes it's great to produce and make awesome content like you're doing but you know not in the detriment of your family of your relationships of yourself your foundation you know and i think we really need that message and you're such a kind of like nice guy to speak to you're it's easy to connect with you and you know i really think you're helping people and i can see you're going to go massive places i mean you're coaching team gb of you know you're transforming businesses you've got an awesome books out there but if you could have your time again would you change anything or do you think this is what you needed to go through to become yourself yeah well firstly thank you Ian I appreciate that um the I often think about that you know what would I what would I have done differently would I move into entrepreneurialism earlier um did hockey get in the way did you know I always think of the, these different things but I have to accept that that everything that's happened in my life has, has shaped me into to to what I am and, and even those around me to a certain extent so so we have to be grateful for what we have. Um, I have I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I'm, I'm sat in here in a hotel in Sydney uh, and, you know, I'm going to go and have a check out the harbour and do those sort of things. So I, you know, I'm just, I feel very blessed and, and grateful for that. So, so would I change anything? Um, I'm sure there are a few things I would change, but um, at the end of the day, it is what it is, you know, love what is and I appreciate what is and uh, and, and make the most of, of, of what, what I have. Well, I know we're very close to our time and I just, you know, I really cannot thank you enough. I'm so glad we got that connection and I can see why your stuff is so vital and it's changing people's lives and I really cannot wish you anything but success for the future. But for people who are listening and thinking, you know, I've, well, obviously I want to get you back on at some point soon, but what how can we keep in touch? You know, what do you want people to have as their go away message? Like what do you want people to take from this interview? If they could only remember one thing from it. Uh, I think that the, the one thing is, is, is identify that, that group of people that you can serve. And, and if you, if your passion serves that, that group of people, you, you're, you're off to the races, you know, and maybe you've got a passion, but you don't realize that it can serve your community or whoever it is. So how do you take that passion that, that, and, 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 and shape it into something that improves other people's lives? So I think that's once, once you tap into that, it's, that, that's the game changer. Um, so, yeah, that would, be, that would be the one thing. I, I love it. I mean, it's everything that you do makes perfect sense. And 
you're giving the world the correct message and I think that's awesome and you know I think you're going to be fantastic you're going to keep going places that you're obviously turned into an amazing guy and that's why I'm so glad when I when I got that connection I wanted to have you on the show but for those who are listening and they want to find out more about you keep in touch get the books work with you where can they go how can they find out more about you connect on social media you know any projects you've got coming up that they can take part in yeah, the uh, so Instagram Andrew Silito Instagram Andrew Silito S I W L I T O E. I'm LinkedIn is a is a big playing ground for me, so I'm I'm on LinkedIn and I post a lot of content on LinkedIn. Uh, so happy to con- that would be you know very happy to connect. Um, we have a, a Facebook group which is called Get Fit to Win, um, but I know my social media manager guys is, is looking to change that to the four keys. Um, so just, but if you search get fit to win, all the four keys, then it should it should bring up the Facebook group. Um, so that that would be a, you know, I'd like to invite your listeners to that. And I'm always putting out free content, you know, just videos and a lot of topics that we've talked about. Well, your TED talk is brilliant. You know, it's I always admire people who can do them, and you know, you look like you had a great time and. It's just, it's <laughs> I mean, are you planning to do any more in the future? Uh, I I think I'd like to and, and maybe think of just a, a slightly different topic or a um, a kind of 2.0 version of, of that talk that I gave. Is, I think there's a follow-on from that, um, which would be uh, would be an interesting insight, I think. So maybe watch this space. <laughs> well, I cannot thank you enough for this. It's been fantastic. Thank There's you. still pages yeah, for questions and areas I want to cover. So we've got to get you back on. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And I just cannot thank you enough for everything you're doing for people and for and just for the great advice you've given today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.